If you've ever entertained a visiting brewer from overseas, one of the first questions you are normally asked is, where can we go for a great pint of cask beer? As decorated author Des Moore tells us in his new book, cask beer is a unique format of fresh live draft beer that, at its best, delivers a taste experience unmatchable in any other way. But despite it being revered by fans across the globe, sales of cask beer in the UK continue to suffer. In his latest article for the Brewer's Journal, former Fuller's Brewing Director John Keeling observes that throughput is down, inspections are less rigorously enforced, and training is intermittent. He also asks how we can change this situation. In this week's podcast, Paul Davis, the founder of Ale Hunters Brewery Tours, leads a panel discussion with a revered group that share their experiences and expertise working in and around cask beer. Recorded at our Brewers' Congress event last month, he was joined by Alice Batham, the head brewer at Batham's in the West Midlands, and also Janos de Bates, the co-founder and head brewer of Doc Brewing Company in Ghent, Belgium. Also on the panel was Rob Lovett, the head brewer and production director at Thornbridge, and also Des de Moor, one of the UK's top beer experts and author of the new book, Cask, the Real Story of Britain's Unique Beer Culture. In this episode, Paul leads a passionate and informed discussion about this beloved beer type, featuring input from some of the people that know it best. So, um, before we start, I just want to um, um, just read out a few stats. Um, so, Cascale uh, has been in decline for quite a long time, unfortunately. Um, Unfortunately, uh, the, 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 the latest um, stats was a 20% year-to-date to decline in 2023, which is, is uh, disappointing, and an overall 30% decline in beer sale. Um, and slightly um, associated with this, uh, we've lost um, about 24% of our pubs. Um, since 2000, which will have an impact on cask, because cask is uh, not the beer you tend to drink at home, really. You drink it in a pub. So th the idea of today is to have a, 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 a discussion about what we can do, perhaps share some best practice, and uh, I'm just going to ask um, everybody um, to have your own take on what's positive, what isn't so, um, and we'll take it from there. So can we start with you, Rob? Um, well, where do you want me to start with just what the positive sides of it? Positives, negatives, whatever you want to go with. Well, we recently did a collaboration with um, Budvar and uh, being in the Czech Republic again, um, vast majority of the population was drinking um, lager that had been matured for over 90 days. Um, but in the UK, we seem to be fascinated with drinking fake Spanish lagers or hazy mosaic pale ales. And uh, what's wrong with something that's, you know, bespoke to Britain, which is Casper, which if it's done well, uh, I think it's it's probably my desert island beer. That out of all beers, a, a good made British Casper is what I would go for. Um, and I think we, as brewers, we just need to, you know, to really love it and, and push it, really. That's, that, that, that's what I would say is positive about Casper. And it's been forgotten about to an extent. Um, and I suppose the negatives would be, well, 
I don't think people prime Casper enough. I think Casper needs to be primed. Uh, and I also feel that, um, you know, often you go into pubs and it's a bit sort of neglected. Uh, the landlord potentially doesn't look after it or they're buying uh, cheaper versions of Casper rather than willing to pay a little bit more for it. And I'm sure, you know, the breweries that do make great Casper's, um, they charge a bit more for it and people are willing to pay for it because they know the quality is there. So you're saying that um, with, with decent priming, uh, yeah. it will be better conditioned, priming pressure? Priming is, is a difference between, is, is a difference is night and day, really. If you prime a Casper, um, but it's hot, uh, a, a, a friend of mine, he, he, he said to me, and he was a cask, and he made great Casper, but he said, and I said to him, why don't you prime your casks? And he said, because it's a pain in the arse for the um, publican. And Timothy Taylor's, one of my favorite Casper's, we do know that it's like a bomb. And uh, we, we make no apologies for priming all our Casper's. And uh, it is a bit of a pain in the arse, but uh, I think it's worth it. Okay. Um, Alice, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, just that we, we prime our Casper. It's mm. super important. You need it for the secondary fermentation that is going on in the cellar, which makes Casper what it is. When I did my dissertation actually at Nottingham, I did a project on cask beer dispense and it was all about that integrated approach from the brewery to the pub. So Bathams are quite unique in that we, we have 12 pubs, but we have complete control over them. So just last week, one of the guys, one of our managers had something up with the beer and it was me that went down. And I think for us, that's really important for our quality is that me as the head brewer goes into the pub and, and sort of talks to the manager and it's all about that relationship and being able to maintain that, I think, is really important. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking from experience, working at Fuller's, um, we had a trade quality team, which the, the intention was to visit every pub in the estate at least once every um, three months. Um, and on top of that, doing troubleshooting and training and so forth. Uh, I know um, George installed um, trade quality in Intercity Hostel um, a couple of years ago. Uh, is that something that, that, we, that really some brewers should be looking at? To, yeah, a bit like what, what Guinness does with their um, quality control. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if, do you have that at Thornbridge? Do you have people go around the cellars uh, <laughs> checking the cans? Yeah, we, we do to an extent, yeah. And I, yeah. And I will drop in myself quite often and uh, do a bit of QA. Uh, yeah. But, you know, one of my gripes is um, even our own pubs, too many, too many beers on the bar. I would personally prefer just two or three beers, but, mm. you know, that's apparently, that's not going to work often. That people expect a broader range of cask beer. But, uh, you know, for, for example, um, Jamie, who runs the Sheffield Tap, I know that he, on a busy Saturday, he'll, he'll go through, he says, two 18 gallons of Jaipur, which, I mean, that's fresh as you're going to get. You know, if it sat there for over a week, it certainly ain't going to be at its best. Yeah, it is a bit of, of a, um, a conundrum, really, where, where you want to have choice. Mm. But probably with cask, uh, it's better, as you say, to have a smaller number of supreme quality beers. Yeah. And hopefully you get more of a following and then yeah. you can add more, mm -hmm. but not the other way around. That's definitely worked for us. So obviously, I don't know if people know, but we only make a best bitter and a mild ale. <laughs> That's what we do all year round. 
and there's nowhere to hide with it. I have to make it super consistent. It comes down to the quality. And again, it comes down to the throughput you were talking about. Mm. So actually over the last year, we've seen our mild, mild ale, the sales of that has absolutely shot up over the last year. So we're now moving from putting it into Firkins and moving up into Kills, Kildekins, so 18 mm. gallon. Mm. But that's something that I'll monitor all the time. And if that needs to come back down to a Firkin or it needs to go back to a pin, mm. then so be it. But it needs to be monitored. It needs to be looked at. Your throughput is so important with cask. So, Janos, um, you told me, well, a while back now that you were starting to put uh, some of your beer into cask in Ghent. Well, we did it uh, actually for an, uh, for an event in Amsterdam, Carnivali uh, Bratramisches. So normally, because yeah, we're Belgian, we don't have a network, we don't have the facility to put beer in casks, like, because like, cask is so important if you have good settlement. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, without good settlementship, you don't have good cask. And mm. everybody knows that bad cask can be really, really, really bad. Yeah. So in Belgium, it's more like everything we do, it's more like an experiment than it's something that we do on a regular base. It's more like if we, if we do like a cask lager, it's for a party. Mm-hmm. We don't have the, the, of course, we don't have the history and the tradition of brewing cask ales like you guys do. Uh, we don't have the mild ales, we don't have the bitters. So I'm really the outsider in this panel. Uh, completely agree, but I, I see cask more as, an, uh, as a way of packaging. And it's always difficult to, uh, to, to modernize uh, tradition. Because tradition is so beautiful for people who are in the tradition, but if you're outside of it, then... Uh, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit dusty, it's a little bit old, it's a little bit something like young people, they don't want to be, they don't want to take part in tradition, but cask is all about it. And then you have like a, a very not stabling packaging solution. So I, I really, I'm really hoping for cask to, to keep on surviving and to, to keep on uh, uh, maybe putting other styles in, uh, in cask, in cask, uh, cask ales, uh, in casks, sorry. Could you see uh, Doc having a beer engine in the tap room and, and having cask we available would, now and again? That's definitely a possibility. But uh, like you have this, you guys have this tradition here, and even here it's selling pretty hard. So imagine that doing the, doing that in Belgium, which is not a uh, traditional beer company uh, country. So like I think we would have some enthusiasts like really enjoying the casks, the cask sale putting through a hand engine. But then again. It would be a very tough product to sell. Because um, you can get um, Terrace Bulba uh, in Brussels, well, especially in Heast, yeah. um, on hand pump. Uh, it, it's not cast conditioned. It's, I believe it's rack bright. But uh, it, it changes the, uh, the mouthfeel. And uh, you do get a, a nice foam. Swan neck, I believe. Well, Maybe a sparkler. But maybe that's actually my, my point of view exactly. Like if you if you would like take cask a little bit away from tradition, like I'm I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of saying this in London, <laughs> because like uh, you're all cask people and I'm the outsider. But uh, like if you just see a cask as a packaging solution for uh, mouthfeel, because like uh, saturation is way lower, so you have a completely different mouthfeel. Also the aroma pops out completely different. And also with cask, you always get like this little oxidation, which will change your flavor profile in a completely other way. So if we just like would uh, integrate those parameters and other styles, we could we could have like we could make it a, a sexy packaging solution again. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Des. Yes. Now, with your uh, updated um, London Pub Guide, 
Mm-hmm. We was launched a while ago now. Mm-hmm. But obviously, your most recent book, you must have done a lot of research yeah. on cask. A lot, lot of um, like um, QA, I guess. Yeah. A lot of very, very interesting conversations. And I think coming back to what you were asking earlier, you know, the goods and the bads of it. I think the, I mean, the good of it, <laughs> you know, is, is kind of self-evident to anyone who's ever had good cask with the right style, you know, that as we're talking about the mouthfeel and all those kinds of things, it's really, really wonderful. And that is like quite widely recognised. It's fantastic to hear that, you know, people are putting cask on in Ghent. Writing the book, I was, you know, talking to, towards the end of the book, I talked to a few people in other countries and the kind of enthusiasm for, among the very small number of people who do cask beer in the US, for example, is it's quite astonishing. You know, people outside the UK really see it as something special in the way that they say see lambic for example you know as a real kind of you know treasure of the beer world something to be to kind of treasured and imitated and really kind of you know pushed as an interesting premium product um unfortunately i think we have a problem here in that because it's been common for so long and because it's been at the the center of discussions about beer for so long in this country we just take it for granted, you know, that's the, it's been taken for granted. And by taking it for granted and like, you know, yeah, people have been campaigning around it, but they haven't really been campaigning in terms of explaining what makes it good as a beer. Do you know what I mean? You hear a lot about the tradition of it, but what you don't hear is about the mouthfeel and about all the other kind of contributions that it brings in a way that really kind of connects with the consumer about it. You know, we've lost that, that excitement for it. And while we've had our backs turned to that, it shrunk to under 5% of UK production. You know, that was a, a, a figure you didn't mention, but you know, it's, it is in pretty dire straits if you actually look at the, mm. the overall production, certainly if you compare it to the beginning of the 20th century when it accounted for about 95%, you know, so, so, you know, there is a big problem with it. I think the interesting thing hearing, you know, mentioning, Rob, that, you know, you working with Budvar, for example, mm. and another like well-known brewer yeah. in the Czech Republic, um, you know, that brought to mind yeah. was Pilsner Urquell. And Pilsner Urquell had this whole thing around tapping Pilsner Urquell, mm. you could be kind, you could become a master tapster yeah. of Pilsner Urquell. You know, it's like kind of celebrated. Mm. And where's that in this country? Yeah. You know, where are the master tapsters of cask? Who's awarding them? Yes, there's cask mark. You know, that's a, a kind of a mark on a pub to say the quality meets the minimum standard, mm-hmm. which is very, very valuable. But where's the real celebration of it? You know, yeah. that's the, there, you know, there are, yes, there are, you know, scattered things, but there's, there's nothing that really kind of, you know, I think, at the moment there just doesn't seem to be that wave there's a lot of brewers more interested in it certainly mm-hmm. but they also stumble across this problem that i think yeah. you alluded to yeah. and some other people have alluded to before which is price and this kind of expectation in the kind of old school yeah. cast market that the most kind of artisanal smallest batch most difficult to manage shortest shelf life product mm. is somehow expected to be cheaper on the bar yeah. than something <laughs> that's come from a, a massive plant mm. producing mm. millions of hectoliters a year yeah so, yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks, Des, for that really passionate um, uh, you know, speech there. I mean, you hit it nail on the head. I think for some reason the industry accepts to undersell the value of cask, um, accepts that it's old-fashioned, that the, the cask drinkers don't exist. Um, you know, th- we, we pre-immunize, um Macro lager, uh, which has its market, I'm not going to knock it, but we don't premiumize cask, which uh, has an additional step in the pub 
to really let it reach its, 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 you know, its perfection. Um, and I'm not quite sure why that has happened or how it's been allowed to happen. You know, maybe the whole industry needs a reset and needs to really relaunch it. Uh, I think Pete alluded to it recently. Um, but I mean, Rob, I'm going to lean on you again. I mean, you've had a 30% increase. Yeah. And so can you delve into that secret Pandora's box of yours and actually share what's happened there? Well, I mean, during COVID, you know, everything sort of shut down in terms of the pubs and we saw small pack just going bonkers and, you know, there was people drinking, well, it was before five o'clock, wasn't it? Cause you know, cause they were on furlough. Um, and, but after that, we were really worried that what was going to happen. And then suddenly our cask and keg sales, and particularly cask just went, you know, the tra trajectory was just, you know, on the up and, um, for us, I, I, I mean, I'm not involved with the sales guys. I, I, I don't know the margins that they work on, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was to do with the quality of the, of the cask beer because when you see us, you know, around pubs around Britain, I mean, I went to Newark the other day with my son and, um, you know, we were there and there were St. Hostels, there was Timothy Taylor's and Oakham. And if you're making really good, consistent cask beer, uh, I think, people willing to pay a little bit more for it. And um, you only need one bad pint and you ain't going to go back to it. And that's, that, that's what you really got to strive for as a brewer, I think, is just consistent and, and quality. And, you know, Alice is, you know, I love Bathams. I mean, it's, you can't get it anywhere, but, you know, <laughs> other than, you know, local That gives GA. it a cachet of itself, yeah. doesn't it? That yeah. You have to yeah. go to yeah. the black country to drink it. Yeah. But I'd like to know why the mild's gone up, which is fantastic <laughs> news. Because yeah. when I came to visit you at the brewery, when I was researching the book, we were like commiserating about the mild. Yeah. Everyone who drank it was dying off. And yeah. like, you know, yeah. so it's, it's really, really yeah. good news. So that's I now going into like, 18. Yeah, I just feel so happy to be so positive about it and mm. come here and say, our mild is doing really well. And I don't know <laughs> if it's because it's a lower ABV, it might be that. I know younger generations are thinking a little bit more about not drinking as much and as all of that. It is also cheaper than our best bitter. Um, but we're, yeah, we're really proud of that. And I think for us, again, I'm not like salesy on brewer yeah. production, but I just, again, I have to just focus on the quality of it and making sure that each time our customers come to the pub, they know what they're going to get. You know, like you said, a bad, a bad pint can be really, really bad. Um, very hard. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what I what I wonder is like, like every bar you 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 deliver casks uh, to, you you give training to the staff, or you expect them to be like a certified seller, man. Oh, so for us, um, it's a really sort of close knit family. So I see a lot of the managers. Again, we only have twelve pubs, but a lot of them will come into the brewery once a week. And then um, my sister has actually put in new managers recently and just through education and training and passion, one of, our, one of those managers has upped the sales of by, by like two, two barrels a week. And I mean barrels, I mean 36 gallon, right? So getting the right people in is so important. You need, you need those people that are going to be passionate and that are going to engage with the customer. Yeah. Well, quality clearly is key. Yeah. Um, Price point, I'm not too sure about. Um, I think if, if the cask is good, and I, you know, recently, recently, last couple of years, I tend to pick my pubs now, mm, whereas yeah. before, you'd, you'd ch chance your arm going into any, but now I know 
where I think I can guarantee getting good good pan of cask. I'd rather I'd rather pay more money for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, bad beer. Uh, myself and the Vizette boys went out last night. Uh, we had some pale ale in, in a in a pub very near here. Um, Kuhn picked the right one. Alex and I picked the wrong one. <laughs> um, either the beer was not well fermented, or, or um, there were it was dirty beer lines. I think it was a latter, mm. actually. So that wasn't cask; it was keg. But we won't drink that again. Yeah, so I think yeah. it applies to everything these days. I, th I think the landlords really got to take care of it. I mean, even mm. in our own tap room, I go in there and I'm looking. I'm saying, why has that got soft peg in? Why is the hard peg not in? Uh, you know, and it's uh, and that's in our own tap room. So mm. you, you really need a, a landlord that, that that really cares about and passionate about the product. But but it's that kind of, you know, that that is the the, the double-edged sword with cask. It's yeah. the fact that it's so controllable, right, in the pub after yeah. it's left the brewery. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, one of the most fascinating conversations I have when I was researching the book is with a, a, a man called Mark Dauber. Some oh, of you yeah. might have heard of him. He's yeah. been around on the beer scene for a very long time. Um, but he's an absolute passionate cellar keeper. He now has a pub called The Anchor in Wolverswick, just across mm. from, you know, the, the, the river from, from Southwold, which is, is an Adnams leasehold as well. Um, but he likes, I mean, Adnams Southwold bitter is still dry hopped. So he likes to experiment, you know, it's dry hopped in cask with keeping it for a certain length of time because he likes the effect that produces in the beer. He understands it, he wrangles it, he gets a lot of satisfaction from the fact that he's actually part of the brewing process. Yeah. You know, he's the man who's shaping that beer to his tastes and to his customers' tastes, mm. you know, which is a fabulous thing about cask. But if you have a landlord that's far less engaged, that, that suddenly becomes yeah. a really, really negative thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's like coming back to that celebration thing. How do we build on that? How do we engage people's yeah. interest in the trade? That actually here is something where you can, you know, really get involved and really kind of, you know, show your involvement in the beer. You're not just there turning on a tap. You know, yeah. It's a well, definitely, salamanship is yeah. a craft. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, folks. I don't think we've got any any solutions yet, but I think it's <laughs> going to take um, collectively. I think work, focus, energy, time. You know, um, I mean, uh, who likes a pie cask? Come on. Well, uh, Janos, had a bad point, his, his team and I are going out yeah. on the lash later uh, on to Jinxman Cask. You're very welcome to join us. Um, please raise a glass later and please uh, show appreciation to our outstanding panel. The Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And series supervision by John Young. And special thanks to Paul Davis, Alice Batham, Janos Debates, Des Damore, and Rob Lovett.